Welcome to Letters to Women, Exploring the Feminine Genius podcast episode number one. My name is Chloe Langer. Uh, Maybe this podcast is not the first time that you've heard about the feminine genius or about John Paul II. Um, I know that the first time that I really started to get to know John Paul II was in eighth grade. Um, Part of our curriculum to prepare for the Sacrament of Confirmation was to read Christopher West's Introduction to Theology of the Body for Teens. And I read that with my mom, and I know that that was the first time that I really started to learn about theology of the body and about John Paul II and the feminine genius. Um, If you're listening, maybe you saw him at a World Youth Day event, whether you traveled to go see him outside of the United States, or maybe you saw him in Denver in 93 when he came to the U.S. But in today's episode of this podcast, I want to get to know John Paul II better and then understand what he means when he says the feminine genius. And so every podcast that is in this series will be revolving around a letter to women and we're going to hear directly from women who are living out the feminine genius in their regular and ordinary daily life Um, but today's episode will actually not be an interview with another woman you'll just get stuck listening to just me talk to myself Um, and I'm going to be discussing um, what the feminine genius is and learning a little bit more about St. John Paul II just so we can get to know him better before we really delve in to what the feminine genius means. Just a brief introduction to John Paul II, and this is super brief, it's not extensive, um, and there's so many different ways to learn about John Paul II past this little brief introduction, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. So, John Paul II was born Carol Watia. Um, We just celebrated his birthday, actually. Um, He was born on May 18th, um, back in 1920, and he was born in Poland. And just a very tragic first part of his life by the age he By the time he turned 21, which is how old I am now, um, his mom and dad had both passed away and his oldest brother and his only sibling um, was his brother. They'd all died. And so he was left growing up in Poland um, alone. And to make matters worse, he was growing up in, you know, a very Nazi occupied Poland at that time. Um, So because of not the Nazi occupation, he had to quit his studies at the university where he was studying to be a drama student. And he wanted to avoid the draft and not not fight in the war. And so he instead went to stone quarries and um, also a chemical factory. And he worked there until he was 22. And when he was 22 years old, he felt the call um, from God to discern the priesthood. And so he went into the seminary. And because it was in the Nazi occupation Poland um, or Nazi occupied Poland, he had to study in a very secret seminary um, because it was illegal to study in the seminary. Um, and he studied there until he was 26 when he was ordained a priest. So a very, very young priest. Um, when he became a priest, he went to Rome and he earned his doctorate in theology. And he wrote his doctorate thesis on um, St. John of the Crosses, Dark Night of the Soul, um, which I have read very small parts of. Um, and it's and it's a very good book. Um when he finished his doctorate in theology, he came back to Poland, back to his home, um, and ministered to the Polish people. He was the vicar of a parish, and then he later became a professor at the seminary and um, became an archbishop at age 44. And then he was involved in the Vatican II councils, and then he became pope in 78. And so he steps out onto the balcony at St. Peter's after he's just been declared Pope, and he says, Be not afraid, which is one of my favorite quotes by him. He says, Be not afraid, open up, no, swing wide the gates to Christ. And um, 
he just has a stellar pontificate. He declares, you know, thir- almost over 1,300 people blessed in the canonization process, um, declares 469 people saints, and he is the most well-traveled pope um, because he visited over 129 different countries. And his pontificate writings um, are beautiful, and some of my favorite ones are the ones that center on concepts like human love, which you'll come to find out that love is very much one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, He writes a lot on masculinity and femininity and sexuality in general, and then he also writes a lot on God's call for men and women and how we can all become saints. And so, needless to say, I could easily have a whole podcast series about John Paul II and the amazing things that he's done in his life. Um, but, um, there's a ton of great books that have been written about John Paul II. Um, one of my favorites just to start out with is Jason Everett's St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves. Um, and that one's published, I have, my version is published by Lighthouse Catholic Media. And Jason Everett talks about, um, John Paul II's five loves, which he says were, um, young people. So like us or me, human love, the Eucharist, and then the Blessed Virgin Mary and the cross. And it's just a really good book to start out with um, to learn more about John Paul II. If you want to delve even deeper into learning about John Paul II, um, George Weigel is the official biographer of St. John Paul II. And his book is called A Witness to Hope. And it's a brick of a book. It's almost a thousand pages. Um, But it is also the only biography of St. John Paul II where the Pope actually collaborated um, with George Weigel. And so, um, I have read, again, I've read chunks of that one, not the whole thing, but what I have read is really, really good too. Um, and so before we go on in the podcast to talk about the feminine genius, I want to share with you some of my favorite quotes from the original letter to women. And that was a letter written by John Paul II in June of 1995. Um, and 1995 was the year I was born. So I'm super biased, but I think it was a great year. And he wrote this pastoral letter before the start of the Fourth World Conference on Women in September. Um, And that was, that would be hosted by the UN and it was held in Beijing. And so this letter is really what this podcast is based on, this letter to women. Um, And he talks about, in this letter, he talks about this incredibly important role that women play in the church and the role that only women can play in the church and the family and most importantly in the world as a whole and it's so beautiful and this the letter just meshes perfectly with his pontificate and the vision of his pontificate um, where he consistently you know upheld the dignity and beauty of women and i think you're going to find that mission in this letter um, for the dignity of women and so the first quote that i'm going to read is uh, from the very beginning of the letter and pope john paul ii writes Thank you, every woman, for the simple fact of being a woman. Through the insight, which is so much a part of your womanhood, you enrich the world's understanding to help make human relations more honest and authentic. Um, I think there's something so beautiful here where the Pope is talking about, and he's thanking women for the simple fact of like just being a woman. And so... Like, so often I find myself thinking, like, if only I was more, like, fill in the blank. And so, like, for instance, like, if only I was more pretty, if only I was more um, intelligent or funnier or popular or extroverted. And all of these things were like, well, you know, if only I had those, I would be a better, you know, better version of myself. I would be, you know, more worthy of, you know, evangelizing or the mission that I'm called to in life. And John Paul II writes beautifully, like, you're enough. Like, as a woman, you're worthy of this incredible mission 
because just by being a woman, um, you're going to help the world understand how to be more honest and how, how to be more authentic, which I think is really beautiful. Um, my second quote that I pulled from this letter to women is um, when he writes, transcending the established norms of his own culture, Jesus treated women with openness, respect, acceptance, and tenderness. And in this way, he honored the dignity which women have always possessed according to God's plan for his love. And so I think there's something beautiful as, as a Christian to be able to look to Christ as this perfect model of how um, to respect and how to love a woman. And Christ comes down to this earth through you know the womb, the womb of a woman, which is the Blessed Virgin Mary. But his honoring women just didn't stop with, you know, just picking a woman to be the channel through which he came into the world. So um, in the Gospels, you can read about the way that he treats women. And the one that sticks out the most in my mind is when he talks to the woman at the well. And this woman has been shunned by her community. And that's why she's out collecting water, like at the heat of the day, where no one else is around. And he just treats her as a human with like love and respect, even though he knows that she's not perfect. She's made some mistakes. And she's stunned by the way that he treats her because he's counterculturally treating her with a lot of respect. And so she goes back into the town and she becomes a missionary to her town. And she spreads the word of like, you know, this man knew my sins. He knew my whole life and he's given me the water that I will never thirst again. And um, like further on in the Gospels, you see, you know, it's women who stand along St. John, the beloved apostle um, at the foot of the cross. And it's women who get up early on the morning on the third day after Christ has died and are able to see the empty tomb first. Um, And Christ has always held women in a high regard. And so like John Paul II said, like women have always had dignity in God's plan of love. Um, The third quote is, the creation of woman is thus marked from the outset by the principle of help, a help which is not one-sided but mutual. Women complement men and men complement women. Men and women are complementary. Womanhood expresses the human as much as manhood does, but in a different and complementary way. It is only through the duality of masculine and feminine that the human finds full realization. Um, And so we were talking about this in in one of the Bible studies that I'm in. And in Genesis 2.18, they use the word helper um, to describe Eve. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And so when I first heard that word, I'm like, I am not a super big fan of the word helper. I think it's kind of demeaning. Like when you hear helper, you think of like a a mom in the kitchen, like with her two-year-old trying to make like chocolate chip cookies. And the kid is like splattering dough all over the place and like not mixing right. And it's just going to be a giant mess. And the mom's like, oh, like, thanks. You're my little helper. And you're like, gosh, dang it. Like, that's not quite the most like flattering thing. Like, oh, Eve, like Adam's little helper. But I think after you do some digging, it is an incredible compliment, actually, for you to be called Adam's helper. Um, and so, like, the background is that in Hebrew, the word helper that's used in Genesis 2.18, that verse that I just read, and later in Genesis 2.20, um, is Ezer, which is spelled E-Z-E-R. And it's always used and only used when someone is in need of, like, a very powerful help um, for support. And so the word is used 23 times in the Old Testament. And two of those times are when um, the Bible is talking about Eve as Adam's helper. But then 16 of those times is um, that word is being used in reference to God as like a divine help. And so it's talking about an incredibly valuable source of help. And it's not demeaning for Eve to be called a helper. It's actually this amazingly beautiful um, 
adjective and because she's complimenting Adam's masculinity with her femininity. And so that, I find that really beautiful. Um, the fourth quote is the church sees Mary as the highest expression of the feminine genius and in, in her finds a source of constant inspiration. Um, and so Fulton Sheen has this quote that goes perfectly along with this. Like we're talking about complimenting, like Fulton Sheen's quote compliments John Paul II very much. And his quote says, it is the Virgin Mary. She is the one whom every man loves when he loves a woman, whether he knows it or not. She is what every woman wants to be when she looks at herself. She is the woman every man marries an ideal when he takes a spouse. She is the secreted desire every woman has to be honored and fostered. She is the way every woman wants to command respect and love because of the beauty of her goodness in her body and her soul. Um, and that is Fulton Sheen's quote. And I think when people think of, of the Catholic Church and, and her interaction with women, I've run into some very um, negative thoughts along those lines. And I think one that comes up a lot is like, well, you know, the Catholic Church doesn't really love women or respect them because we don't, we don't ordain um, women into the priesthood. And so um, I think there's something beautiful was that, that Christ wasn't short selling women when he chose an all male priesthood. And we look to Mary, like John Paul II says, like Mary is like that ultimate source of inspiration to see um, how Christ loves women and the beauty of that decision of the, like particularly of the all male priesthood. And so you go back to the Bible and in John, in the book of John, uh, Mary's standing at the foot of the cross um, with John, the beloved apostle, um, and her son who's hanging on the cross. And Jesus sees his mother. And in John 19, 26, he turns to John and Mary and says, woman, here is your son. And then to St. John, he says, here is your mother. And so John takes Mary back into his home after Christ dies on the cross. And at that point, Christ isn't giving Mary just to John to be his mom. He's actually giving every single person on earth Mary as their mother. And her feminine genius and her characteristics are, they become a gift to every single son and daughter of God. And I think to women in particular, Mary stands as a very like special gift because she's an example of perfect femininity. And she practices the feminine genius to the max because thanks to the miracle of the Immaculate Conception, she doesn't have to stumble through sin like I do and any other human being does. Um, and that can make, you know, our aspirations towards the feminine genius, um, it can get very squishy because we fall into sin, but Mary gives this ultimate example of saying like, no, this is what it looks like in its perfected form. And St. John's priesthood has been given to him by Christ back on Holy Thursday. Um, and that doesn't make Mary's role as the mother of God and all mankind any less valuable. Like it's not a competition. Like, oh, Jesus loves me more because I'm a guy and I'm a priest. And then Mary's like, no, Jesus loves me more because I'm his mom and I'm the mother to all mankind. No, but like, Instead, Mary and John are both called, um, but in different roles specific to their masculinity and their femininity. But each is each role that they are called to play is important, and each role is good. Um, but I've saved the best for last. In the section of John Paul II's letter that I find um, the most compelling as a woman in this is actually found in the last few sentences of his letter. So he saves the best best for last. And in section 12, John Paul II writes about his hopes for how women are going to be appreciated in the upcoming years. And he writes, necessary emphasis should be placed on the genius of women, not by considering great and famous women um, of the past or the present, but also ordinary women who reveal the gift of their womanhood by placing themselves at the service of others in their everyday life. For in giving themselves to others each day, women fulfill their deepest vocation. Perhaps more than men, 
women acknowledge the person because they see persons with their hearts. And I love that line because they see persons with their hearts. Um, and John Paul II continues in this quote and he says, they see them independently of various ideological or political systems. They see others in their greatness and their limitations, and then they try to go out to them and to help them. And in this way, the basic plan of the creator takes flesh in the history of humanity, and there is constantly revealed in the variety of vocations that beauty, not merely physical, but above all spiritual, which God bestowed from the very beginning on all and in a particular way to women. And I think so often, at least I am very guilty of this as a woman, when we're striving for this concept of the feminine genius, it is so easy to get discouraged. And so we look at these women in the past, like John Paul II talks about, like these famous women um, like Edith Stein or Catherine of Siena or Teresa of Avila or St. Teresa of Calcutta, um, who were these beautifully amazing examples of femininity. Or you look around in today's world and like social media and like famous Catholic women who are using their platform to like bring other women to Christ, like Leah Darrow or Cameron Frad, um, through her podcast Among the Lilies, or Lisa Cotter through her writing with her husband, um, or her podcast. And it's very easy to get discouraged and say, like, gosh dang it, like I can't even compare to that. And I might as well not even try. And I, I love the quote where it, they talk about like comparison is the thief of joy because John Paul II like picks up on us and he's like, whoa, wait, wait a second. Like stop comparing yourself to women, other women who are also striving for the, the feminine genius because you in your ordinary daily life are, are called to the feminine genius in your own way, right? Ordinary women who reveal the gift of their womanhood by placing themselves at the service of others in their everyday life. For in giving themselves to others each day, women fulfill their deepest vocation. And so I love this letter to women. And I, I wanted to base this podcast off of it because it, it makes the human, the feminine genius um, accessible and possible. And it does this by realizing that the feminine genius looks different for every woman. And so I'm sitting here behind a podcast mic. Um, stumbling through the first podcast and I'm I'm striving for the feminine genius or uh, my mom is at home um, with the rest of my siblings and she's a homeschool mom and so every day she teaches um, my siblings and she cleans for them and cleans the house and she cooks for them and and she is like striving for the feminine genius but her striving looks very different than mine um, I ha- or I have some friends who gave um, two years of their life up to serve as missionaries um, through Focus or through SBO, and they're striving for the feminine genius, but their striving looks different than mine. Like we're going for the same goal, but their path looks different. And I think that's so beautiful how different that looks in every woman's ordinary life. And so that's the mission of this podcast. Like that's why this started. It's a letter to women in their ordinary lives. And so each podcast, kind of like I mentioned before, um, I'll be interviewing other women and talking to them about how they strive for sainthood and the, how they live the feminine genius in their ordinary daily lives and their vocations. And it's going to be very beautifully diverse. And I'm really excited to share um, all these letters just to women. I um, have brainstormed and like sat down and like wrote all these ideas out and it's finally coming into like a tangible form that I can share with people. And I, I'm very excited to be able to, to interview these women in my life that have so much wisdom. And their path to femi- the feminine genius looks so much different than mine. And I know that I can learn so much from their experiences. So before I finish the very first episode, and you guys don't have to listen to me talk to myself anymore, um, I want to ask you to do a couple of things. And so the first is please subscribe to this podcast. So my goal, if I stick to it, we'll see, um, depends how life goes, um, 
is to release a podcast every two weeks. And so the next set of podcast um, episodes will hit the website on June 15th. And then that way, by the end of the summer, um, you'll be able to have 10 podcasts to listen to about the feminine genius. Um, the second thing is please contact me. Email is the best way to get a hold of me. And my email is chloe.langer at gmail.com. So um, C-H-L-O-E dot L-A-N-G-R at gmail.com and tell me what kind of letter to women that you want to see featured on this podcast. And that could be whatever's close to your heart. Um, so some examples could be like a letter to the woman who's a young mom where I would interview um, a woman who is a young mom um, or a letter to the woman who wants to know more about the saints or a letter to the woman struggling with depression or a letter to the woman planning a wedding. And so like whatever's close to your heart, let me know. And then um, I will add those to the podcast list. Um, the next thing is to please visit my blog at oldfashionedgirlblog.com, um, which you can scribe, subscribe to those posts too. I'm going to put like a very shameless plug in for my blog. Um, I blog as well. And if you put in your email um, and subscribe to those, they can just get sent directly to your inbox and you can, you don't even have to go to my site. You can just look through them um, in your email when you're scrolling through your email in the morning. Um, but if you go to my website, um, you can click on the letters to women podcast tab and you'll find resources for each of these podcasts. So like for this podcast, you're going to find the original letter to women. If you want to read it in the whole entirety of it. And it's very short. I think it's eight pages when you print it, but it reads really quickly. Um, and he has beautiful writing that I wasn't able to read the whole letter on this podcast because it would be much longer. Um, but that will be available if you want to go back and read that. And then also a couple other great resources. Um, and so every time a podcast episode comes out, you'll be able to find resources for each of those episodes on the blog, which is again, oldfashionedgirlblog.com. Um, next, please tell other women about this podcast. Um, if you have a woman in your life who you think would benefit from listening or is striving for the feminine genius, then send them a link and ask them to subscribe and spread the word. And the very last thing that I want to tell you, but um, very much not the least, is please rate the podcast. So almost every podcast that I listen to, um, talks about how important rates are for a podcast. So the way that I understand it is that unless a podcast is rated, the website can't rank them. And I think this is most important for like iTunes. Um, but when a podcast is ranked, it makes it easier for people to find it when they're searching for things that we talk about on here, like, um, John Paul II, or if they search femininity or women, then this podcast, the more it's rated, the more it can pop up in the search results. Um, so please rate it. And that's all that I have for today. And so I'm really excited just to be able to continue to explore the feminine genius with you. And um, I will see you next time. And until then, be not afraid.